morning, everyone. Maybe I can start out with a short prayer again. Father in heaven, Lord Jesus Christ, you who are so familiar with suffering, more familiar than anyone, a God of, a God of sorrow, familiar with sorrow and familiar with pain, familiar with the drudgery of life, familiar even with being disappointed by others, your disciples. When you were taken to the cross, how they denied you. Lord, I, I ask that you be here with me as I speak today on the topic of trials. And amazingly, through and for you, the joy of trials. I don't know what people in this congregation are facing this morning, but I know there are probably a lot of difficult things going on. There may be wayward children. There may be health issues. There may be marital issues. There may be situations where people are afraid of others because others are attacking them verbally and sometimes physically. There may be even hunger and fear and loneliness and hopelessness. But Lord, if it be thy will, speak through me to encourage people, to help us to learn lessons from your life-changing word, to take home with us today, including me, and apply in our lives this day in those trials that we may be facing, that inevitably we will all face trials, if not now, in the future, we will face difficult things in life. I thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, that you are here right now. Long ago, on a cold and dreary morning in October, I left for my job in northeastern Alberta. I left my home with my wife and my three girls, including our baby, Hannah, who is here today, and one of my other girls is here. Our baby, Hannah, was just nine months old. And I left probably kind of tired, as I am now, but excited because Christ had undeservedly given me an opportunity to work with a group of indigenous so social workers to help the hurting of the hurting of the hurting on four of Alberta's land-based Métis settlements. And he had blessed my work with them. Somehow, through him and him alone, I established trust, and they allowed me to lend a hand with some of the most difficult things they were facing, things like alcoholism and drug abuse and violence and so on. But trials are kind of like that. We, I wish we could uh, predict them because maybe we could prepare ourselves. And part of me wishes, Lord, I wish we could just live lives of comfort and joy and just happiness at all times. But the reality is, 
has became completely, I became completely aware of that evening is that we have a God who uses trials along with reading our scripture and our prayer and our, our, our uh, communion with other Christians. The use of trials is one of the primary ways he shapes us with the end goal of making us more like him, a goal that's more important than anything else, more important than our comfort. That evening, again on a cold and dreary highway, now headed back from a place called Lac Labiche that some of you may be familiar with. In my weariness, I was driving as I always drove, thinking, looking forward to being home to my babies as I had looked forward to many days before. But that day, I think a well-meaning maybe farmer on that highway was pulling out his combine onto the highway and I didn't see it. As far as I knew, because he didn't have any markings on it, I assumed that there was nothing there, but there was something there. And so my vehicle, fortunately, I was blessed that it was a government vehicle, so it was new and well-equipped. My vehicle piled into the back of that combine, and my life would change forever. I wouldn't go home to my babies that night. It would be many months, maybe a year later. I would never walk again. Doctors, many doctors felt that I would never speak again. Many, if not most, felt that I never would be able to function again. To go back, to, for example, to that job I, I once had to work out, on weights, I had always been blessed by physical strength and the ability to work out. As the Stars Air Ambulance lifted me from that area to the University of Alberta Hospital, I'm told that I even passed away for a couple minutes. But Christ, in his unyielding grace, revived me. So what do you do when you face trials like this? When you can't walk anymore? What do you do when your wayward teenager runs away and doesn't come home? What do you do with that spouse who is not the same person you thought you married. And every day is a drudgery. What do you do with the lesser trials that are nevertheless very difficult, the, the hard job you have with the, the boss who is over-demanding, who believes that you're incompetent, perhaps, who makes it difficult to even go to work. You dread going to work. Well, I'm here to tell you, and through the Holy Spirit, I hope I 
reinforce and reinforce and reinforce again that God's promises within his holy word are true. They are life and breath. They are applicable to whatever trial you may be facing. It may be an incredibly difficult trial where it just doesn't appear that there, there could ever be any light at the end of the tunnel. Or it may be one of the smaller things that I've talked about. But God's grace and his power is sufficient. So together, as a starting point today, it would be my great blessing if we could go together to look at a scripture that has been particularly inspiring and encouraging and moving to me. And if you can go to your Bible, or it may, may even be on the screen behind me, it's a verse that many of you may be aware of, and it's 1 James uh, 2, 2 to 8. James, the half-brother of Christ, who was familiar with suffering himself, writes this profound verse that, I don't know how many times I've read it, but I, I've probably read it countless times over the years, so if you'll bear with me if I could read it now. James amazingly says, consider it pure joy brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, we should ask God who gives generously to all with finding, without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. For the one who doubts is like the waves of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all he does. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. If I was a non-Christian, and I have friends who I've been witnessing to year, for years who would probably have the reaction I'm about to suggest, I would think that whoever wrote this must be a little bit crazy. How do you consider it pure joy? when you're in mental, emotional, physical agony, whatever type of agony you're in. When I first read the scripture many years ago, I realized something that maybe I can pass on to you that might inspire you. Really, at the end of the day, believers in Christ, those he has chosen, are the only ones who can truly feel pure joy in the face of life's inevitable trials. 
as we'll see further in this verse, James elaborates that joy is at least in part attached to the next promise. That is, trials. And I've seen it in my own life. Trials incredibly, amazingly, beautifully develop in us if we submit to Christ the ability to persevere. We've heard that word, persevere. Sometimes it's referred to in different ways. But as you know, you know, when times get tough, when you have a difficult day at work tomorrow, or within your trial, it seems to be impossible. God gives you the ability to keep going, to never give up, to stick to it. Sometimes called resilience, we just keep going. And only Christ can truly enable that in, that, in us. He enabled that in me, and to this day, he enables that in me. Before I go on, though, to kind of underscore my point and reinforce it, I'd like to tell you about a person I've met in my life, not only met, but known very well in my life, who exemplified the ability that only Christ can enable to feel joy in trials. And as we'll talk a little bit more about in a few moments, what happens with that God-given, Spirit, Holy Spirit-given ability to persevere? It is the preamble to becoming mature and complete and not lacking anything. We'll talk about what that means and how not lacking anything really is true abundance. But let's go back to this person. Some of you may even know this person or, or, or knew them. And it's my mom. My mom, who is with Christ now, the one she loved the most, was perhaps the most flawed but Christ-like person that I've ever met. As a child, probably not knowing what perseverance even meant, she nevertheless persevered through pervasive trials, including constantly being left alone for sometimes days and weeks as a tiny child of eight and nine to fend for herself. She knew what it was like to not have food for many days, to live in squalor, to be exposed, and I'm using social worker terminology, but I hope it, I hope it hits home, but to be exposed to ongoing physical and emotional abuse at the hands of her dad. And because of what would be termed today as a learning disability, perhaps ADHD, constant belittling in school, despite academic and artistic brilliance that would be encouraged and nurtured in our times. Despite all of this, and a difficult marriage filled with many of the same things, 
After giving her life to Christ as a young woman, she resolved to, through perseverance to do the opposite of what her dad did, to the, do the opposite of, of what she saw. For those who knew her, this included a deep and immediately noticeable sense of unconditional love for everyone demonstrated through always encouraging words and a deep sense of servitude. It included a reticent refusal to harbor bitterness and unforgiveness based on her belief that she would never have to forgive anyone as much as Christ had already forgiven her. And a deep and almost desperate devotion to Christ demonstrated in her thirst for his word and her constant ongoing prayers for others, prayers that filled countless prayer journals. My mom, for me and for many others, set the precedent of what I, through Christ, would someday like to be. So how do we apply this as the first application, if you will, to your life this week and to my life this week? Trials can take many forms, and so often when they, are, they occur, we tend to do a few things. We, we tend to run and sort of hide away to retreat from others and retreat from life. Others, understandably, seek comfort from alcohol and drugs. Eventually, I would suggest inevitably learning that alcohol and drugs only deepen the wounds, the pain, the emotional pain that we have. Others, through a temporary relief, may seek a life of accomplishment, promotions, a bigger bank account, adulation by others, maybe a bigger house or a bigger car. And yes, those things can temporarily give, temporarily give us a bit of relief. But I have to say, we soon realize these things are fleeting. And as said in Ecclesiastes, they are chasing after the wind. Others, and I believe this is a good thing, I believe that Christ use, you can use a therapist and can use medication, like medication to treat, it, to treat depression. Others will go, will go this way to, to gain relief. And yes, I'm here to say yes, it can help. And I, as I said, I legitimately believe it's needed for some people and may be good and I think is a tool from Christ. But again, it's temporary and fleeting.
instead, what I would humbly suggest, as a man who is a wretched sinner and only lives by the grace of God alone, like my mom, this week, let Christ use that trial, whatever trial you may be going through, as a means, as a starting point to developing you, if not all already there, that Holy Spirit-inspired perseverance. Again, the ability to never give up, to keep going, as a preamble to becoming mature and complete, lacking nothing. Like my mom, if you're not already doing this now, I suggest grow closer to Christ as an act of submission to him by trying to read his life-changing word consistently and fervently, by praying consistently and fervently, even when it doesn't appear that any results are forthcoming. Pray, pray for those who are hurting you even. Call upon God in desperation to help you. And as a last step, where you can, continue to connect with other believers to pray with you, to encourage you, to support you. Let perseverance finish its work so that you will be mature and complete, lacking nothing. As I prayed over this and as I read through the Word of God and as I read through commentaries, I wondered if I could provide examples that would help you to see what being mature and complete and lacking nothing looks like. But first of all, very quickly, a quick note that in our humanness, believers, even us, even all of us, let's face it, we do feel hopelessness and depression and fear. We're susceptible to real conditions like post-traumatic st uh, stress syndrome and depression and other forms of mental illness. If you're experiencing any of these things, it doesn't mean you're less of a Christian. It only means that like me and like everyone, you're fragile. You need Christ desperately and you're being shaped by him. What I see in my life and what I see in scripture and what I see in commentaries is signs that you are becoming mature and complete and lacking nothing. Include the following things. Instead of a tendency to give up quickly, are you the one through the Holy Spirit who tenaciously perseveres even when the most overwhelming circumstance is present in your life. Instead of a propensity to hate, do you have the ability to love the unlovable? Instead of a quick temper, the Holy Spirit-enabled capacity is there to have deep patience and forbearance. Instead of a tendency to fear, through Christ, 
we can have supernatural courage. And instead of anxiousness, which we all feel, how beautiful that through him, through our difficulties, he develops an ability to be calm in us, even in the midst of the most horrific storm. Join me this week and in the future in asking Christ to consider to start to truly consider it pure joy even in the midst of your trials, recognizing that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work so that you will be mature and complete and lack nothing. In the midst of your trial this week, show others your Holy Spirit-enabled perseverance, your Holy Spirit-enabled courage and calmness to increase the faith of those around you. And what I find in my life when they see the courage that Christ may have given me, your courage this week, let it even inspire non-believers how to impose questions like, how can you still be courageous? How can you still have a sense of joy, even in the midst of the trial you're facing? To finish off, this verse also reads, if any of you lack wisdom, you should ask Christ, who gives generously to all without finding fault. So often in the midst of a difficult trial, at least with me, we have a tendency to seek solutions from maybe reading a book or going to someone we know or maybe even going to a, a pastor or going to anyone. And there, these things are good and okay. Christ obviously works through others to speak to us, and I've seen it time and time again in my life. But when I read this verse, and as I contemplated in it, what I would encourage you to do this week, if you don't already do, before you go to that person you know who can, through Christ, give you comfort, try to always go to the, to the Holy Spirit first, to Christ first. He is the one. He is the purveyor of wisdom. And ask, well, how do I go to him? Well, go to him by reading your word. Go to him in fervent prayer. Seek his wisdom, and he'll give it to you. He may even send you to someone else to help you through whatever you're going through. But remember that one of the absolute privileges we have as Christians 
is that we have full access to the throne of grace, to Christ. I'm tired today, so I'm going through a little bit of a trial myself. I'll stop there, although there's many other things I would like to say. But whatever you're facing, and again, you may not be facing anything, but I believe you inevit inevitably will. Remember that Christ is the one who not only will enable you to get through it, but he'll give you the capacity to feel his supernatural joy. And through it, he'll make you mature and complete and lacking nothing. As a bit of follow-up, what Christ has enabled in my life is he has given me three amazing daughters who have now grown. And they're beautiful people, yes, with faults, but they're beautiful, beautiful women. Two of them are here today, with my son-in-law, Josh, and with Hannah's boyfriend, Jordan. From a career standpoint, what he did when people said that I probably wouldn't be able to speak, I couldn't go back to work, what he did is he returned me to work and utterly blessed me. Blessed me with an award-winning career as a manager with the government of Alberta and many accomplishments to this day. Many failures, too, along the way. But he has done in my life what used me, used me in my weakened, unworthy state to exemplify his po profound power through me in my weakness and has blessed me and blessed me. And most of all, one of the reasons that I wanted to return to work is to work with the hurting of the hurting and through Christ and for him. I've had that opportunity to for many years. So, I hope you go away with encouragement and not a sense of guilt or, or feeling bad if you don't have faith today or if you, you know this, but Stacy, you don't know what trial I'm going through. It is absolutely insurmountable. Stacy, I know you're in a wheelchair and that looks pretty tough and Christ has blessed you through it, but you don't know my situation. It's even more complex. It's even more overwhelming than that. It's been in place for years and years and years, and nothing changes. And I've prayed and prayed about it. And yes, I believe Scripture, but I will never be mature and complete and lacking nothing because you don't know how difficult my trial is. Well, I'm here to humbly and respectfully and gently suggest that, no, I don't understand the situation you're going through. But I know, as evidenced in my own life, that our Father loves to use us, when loves to use trials to mold us. I wish it wasn't this way again, but he will use your trial to mold you 
to fashion you into a person that he wants you to be. Submit to him. Try to get into your word and try to pray. But remember also we have a faithful God who even loves a man like me, who even died for a man like me, who is completely undeserving, who even uses a man like me in a wheelchair to bless others. Maybe I could just end with a quick prayer. Father in heaven, I thank you for this opportunity, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to talk about your miraculous, faithful, gentle, loving ability to help us to use the trials that we're going through for your good, truly for your good, Lord. All things work for the good of those who love you and have been called according to your purpose. Is that Are those just words? Are they fictitious? Are you real, Lord? Well, yes, you are. And I thank you for helping me in my life. And I ask for everyone here, everyone here going through trials, that you absolutely show your presence to them, Lord, that you speak to them, that you give them a thirst for your word like you did with my dear mom, that you give them the ability to love that unlovable person, that you, like my mom, that you give them the ability to forgive even the most unforgivable with knowledge, remembering that we can never, we never will have to forgive another as much as you have already forgiven us. Give everyone here that resilience, that perseverance to keep going, to never give up, just, just to keep going, Lord. Only you can give that. You make us brave and you make us strong. You make us forgiving and loving. You make us calm in the midst of a storm. You do all of this by your grace and your grace alone, Lord. You are worthy of all praise. And let us also remember, as a final few words, remember to praise Christ in the midst of your trials. Very quickly, I've heard it before and I've read it, that when we praise Christ through our trials, this may be the type of praise that he cherishes the most. Well, when we praise him, yes, Lord, I'm a wheel, in a wheelchair, but thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, that you use my weakness to bless others, that you have used profoundly my weakness to bless others, and you continue to. Well, praise the Lord for the trials, for the, that he is with you. Praise him even for the trials, that in his perfect wisdom and his unfathomable love for you, he will see you through, and he will bless you with whatever trial it might be. I thank, thank you very much for, for listening to me. And I must say, I'm very warm. I worked out this morning, and I'm, I'm very tired. I didn't sleep too well last night. So I haven't presented as well as I would like to, but I just remember the Apostle Paul saying how he just 
presented with fear and trembling, yet it was not him. It was the Holy Spirit that lives within him that spoke to the people in whatever congregation he was speaking to. Well, I hope in my fatigue and my warmness that not through me, not for my glory, but for his glory, that his words sp speak to you, encourage you, and that you join with me in not just going away and forgetting about what I said or remembering it to a point, but not applying it. I would humbly suggest and ask that you apply the points that I, I noted this week, even now, and, I, and I, I will join you, and not just this week, but you begin, if you haven't already, to apply these things always in your life with those inevitable trials that we all face. Thank you very much.